Welcome to Off the Menu with Dara moskowitz Grumdahl, the Twin Cities' leading food critic and senior editor of Minneapolis St. Paul magazine. Off the Menu is all about food in the restaurant, at the market, and on your table. Now, here's Dara on News Talk 830 WCCO. Dara here. Yeah, what are you doing this fine Saturday? Are you, you know, cleaning out the garage? Are you... Whipping up a big pot of beans. I got a, already got a text from someone who is making a, a red beans and kind of bacon ends. I love that. That's a good thing to do. Those are delicious. I am going to have some bean salads later on. Uh, but I do I do want to know what you're up to. What are you cooking? What are you doing? 81807. Saturday in January is a good time to get little things done. One of the things we are going to get done right now is opening up your mind to different way of eating, different way of thinking about eating. We've got Dr. Michael Royson on the phone now. If you are a big Dr. Oz show watcher, you know him. He is one of the chief medical consultants. Uh, he is also a real doctor. He's a certified in, in, in anesthesiology and internal medicine. He works at the Cleveland Clinic, which is very cutting edge on all things food. He invented that real age concept. Has anyone ever taken that quiz and it kind of, you know, your lifestyle, what kind of exercise you do, what kind of food you're eating, and it'll tell you that you're either perhaps younger or older than you think you are. He's got a new book. It is called What to Eat When?, And it's a different way of thinking about food, thinking about how your circadian rhythms work with food, how your metabolism and your hormones work. It's not uh, kind of a a basic calories in, calories out. And we have Dr. Roizen on the phone to talk about this. Dr. Roizen, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Dara. All right. So let's just give the big picture. I think a lot of people are still... Uh, thinking about food in terms of like it's coal and we're furnaces, but that's that's not how it is. Well, what we were taught in medical school and what we've um, taught everybody else, if you will, I mean, we, the medical profession, is that a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. And what we've learned is it isn't. Um, that is a calorie in the morning your body handles differently than a calorie in the evening. So just like our circadian rhythm, the light-dark rhythm, changes how um, the hormone melatonin functions and its amounts, that is what helps us go to sleep. The um, circadian rhythm, the light changes in from day to night, also change how insulin functions so that insulin is much more effective in the morning than in the evening. And the, what that means is, that a calorie in the morning is less um, costly to you than a calorie in the evening from a standpoint of gaining weight. So eating my, I'll give it to you short, and then we can go into some of the science and some of the fun of it. But essentially, in a study in Spain where they ate the biggest meal at midday, if you ate it before 2 p.m., these were in women and men who wanted to lose weight, they lost 25% more calories than those who ate the same number of calories after 3 p.m. So the point is, eat when the sun is out and eat more early, less later. 
Well, that, my friend, as you know, is easier said than done, right? Most of us kind of jet out the door at, you know, seven or eight in the morning, and then we don't get any time to ourselves till nighttime, at which point we eat all the calories. So give me a little more incentive to believe that this is possible. <laughs> so like, well, so if- what we want you to do is, is still cook at night. So that three bean salad you were going to have, cook it at night, put it in the refrigerator and eat it for breakfast. So that it shouldn't take you any more time, but it will be much better for your body. What happens when people go on this? And, and we were very skeptical. So the, the data in animals has been someplace in the seven to 10 year range, but only in the last two, two and a half years has the data in humans accumulated. And what it shows is that the people who eat early, don't eat late, same number of calories, are thinner, and it's a way to hack their metabolism to maximize health and lose weight. But in addition, they don't feel three days after starting this. So you've got to start it, and it's tough for three days. But three days after starting it, you feel an incredible amount of increased energy in the morning, and you sleep better, and you're not hungry at night. All right, so let's just talk about this. So if I am just an average human body in America and the world, and if you could just, like, put a screen over my head, you would see my insulin and my cortisol and all of these hormones, like, they would change over the 24 hours? They do change over the 24 hours. The insulin levels don't seem to change in response to sugar, but the response of the cells to the insulin changes so that your insulin is much more effective and you become insulin resistant during the day. So in the morning, you're, if you've got a normal blood sugar, by evening, you're pre-diabetic. So that's why we always get your blood sugar. We get a fasting blood sugar in the morning. Two reasons. One, because you eat during the day, but two, because the effectiveness of your insulin changes through the day. Why? Why? That seems like a bug in the system. Why would that be? Well, you can, you can postulate why it developed over thousands of years, because we would hunt and gather during the day. And then in case we had a failed hunt the next day, the, your body wanted to survive. So it developed a mechanism to store calories in the evening and to use them during the day. Oh. And that's why we, for many centuries, we ate, you know, they said, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. And that really works. That really is the, the way it should be. You eat your smallest meal at dinner. doesn't mean don't go without food at dinner. It means if you're cooking a normal dinner, you take half of it and put it in the refrigerator to eat as breakfast, and the other half you'll have at dinner, or even a third you'll have at dinner. All right, so let's talk about some of this other stuff. Now, you know a lot about circadian rhythms. Uh, Can you explain that in a way that layman people like me can understand? Sure. The circadian rhythm is developed by um, blue light, blue wavelength light, which is basically the sun. So the sun comes down and it gets into your a small area in your brain. Twenty thousand. We have we have over. A trillion brain cells. This is just 20,000 brain cells control the circadian rhythm, which then sends out stuff, sends, changes the way you release melatonin. So when the sun goes down, you start producing more melatonin. 
It also changes the effectiveness of, it changes the cortisol, which changes the way um, a number of things function. We don't know what's responsible for the insulin resistance, but that may be one thing. But in any case, it changes a lot of your hormones, which changes the way your body functions. So light, dark. So if you take, for example, you can take humans, um, believe it or not, there are a bunch of people who participated in a study at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston where they went in rooms where they showed no light, meaning they could, there was no windows, no TV, no time cues. They did allow them to watch Netflix, but without any time cues, and they did allow them uh, to read, etc. and they shifted the time. And what happens is when you shift the time like that, your metabolism shifts with the light-dark cycle. So shift workers are really in a, a get disease much more commonly, probably because they're, although they're, their working period shifts, they don't shift how they eat and other functions as, they, as the light shifts. So we, we need to be aware of our circadian rhythms, as you pointed out, because your body, the circadian rhythm gets you to optimize your health and your metabolism, and it, does, it, it tries to get you to do that, and we fight that. You know, we have a fourth meal after 8 p.m. We have snacking at night. That, that, that hinders our sleep, and it hinders our, um, if you will, health. So you're, I'm talking to you from the north, right? So we're in the darkest part of the year. Not the absolute darkest. That was last week. But, you know, pretty, pretty dim. So the the sun comes up late and it sets early. And a lot of people I know uh, have what they call sad, you know, seasonal affective disorder. They try to cure it with light boxes or different things. Does Do you think that the, you know, living in the dark in the winter, does that affect us? It probably does. No one, I mean, you, what you've asked is a very impressive question, Daria. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it probably does, but no one has studied that well. So in other words, in other words, you'd say, well, if you went to the Antarctic or the Arctic, it would be different in summer versus winter a great deal. And that's probably true. And that, and, and bears may be, bears that hibernate in winter may be the example you would give. But in fact, no one has studied that in humans. They've studied that well in fruit flies. And I say, why would they study in these stupid fruit flies? The fruit <laughs> flies, one, aren't stupid. And two, um, they have the best model of the human heart, um, of human heart disease. They're very similar, much more similar than rats or mice are to the human heart cardiovascular system. Really? And That's it turns amazing. Out it turns out when you give them different light-dark circle and they eat in those patterns, they develop heart failure much more commonly if they, for example, have a light-dark circle of 18 hours and eating during that 18 hours than if they, if you will, would eat for um, a six-hour cycle. So the longer the fruit fly eats, the lower its lifespan gives this is the, so people have said, is this intermittent fasting? Well, it's essentially you fast from 7 a.m. to 7, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And it's a hack on the system because most of the time of fasting is while you're asleep. But 
it is a there is a large group of data now in both humans um, for the biomarkers of aging and animals for length of life, that is small animals that don't have normally as much life. If you go through one of these intermittent fasting routines, you can extend your life someplace between 30 and 50%, extending your health that period. It's not just, you're not just living longer, you're living healthier. They develop, uh, fruit flies, for example, develop heart failure much later in their life, meaning in their last quarter of their life rather than in their last 40% of their life. So you extend your healthy period that way. So by eating the when way, we, we call it, you can go to whenway.com or what to eat when is the book. But by eating the when way, you in fact are likely to change the biomarkers of aging in improving them. And if the animal models are correct, you will extend or, or decrease the period of disability, extend the healthy period of your life maybe even extend your lifespan, but clearly extend the healthy period or the period without disability. All right. Well, this is just super interesting. I'm talking to Dr. Michael Roizen. He's a new book, What to Eat When. A lot of people know you from your Real Age website concept book, a very interesting bunch of stuff. So let's talk about that kind of, you know, you want to have a good life, not just a long life. Nobody wants an extra 10 years when you're in a coma. Um, so let's talk about stress. What is, you know, you really talk in the book about cortisol. Let's kind of break that down. How, you know, what cortisol is, how it interacts with food. You've done a lot of work on this. Right. Darryl, by the way, Darius, just so people know that realage.com is a free website. It's taken by more than a million people a month, more than 100,000 new people, 69 million different people in the United States have taken it. So when you said somebody has probably taken it in uh, where you are in the north, um, that's probably true because um, about one out of every five adult Americans has done the test and uh, four out of those five have done it repeatedly. So it is realage.com. Uh, um, and it's free, just like the winway.com is free. But in any case, um, the point is uh, that stress is the greatest ager. So if you have three major st- stressful events, say someone in the family dies, you take a new job, and you move from one house to another. Those are all major stressful events, and there are 14 of them. But if you if you have three major stressful events in one year and you don't, have a stress management plan or do something for stress management, but have close friends that you confidants and talk about, you age about um, 32 years over your calendar age. So at age 45, you'd be physiologically and have the risk of dying and disability of a 77-year-old. Wow. Conversely, if you know how to manage it, if you manage it well, you age only two years with those three stressful events, and two years later, you have none. So you actually are, instead of uh, 45 going to 77, you go to 47, still older, but by managing it, you have mitigated a lot of it. And some of the other big things are, for example, um, people always look at uh, type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes ages you a half year for every year you have it. So if you have type 2 diabetes for 20 years, you're really 30 years older, not 20 years older. Um, physical activity, 
doing the four components of physical activity makes you about nine years younger. Um, now, you're in food, and that's an important place to be because from the worst food choices to the best is a 27-year effect. Yes, and that's why I am very eager for everyone to have more bean salads. That's what I'm about this week. I've been having them for breakfast because I, I, I'm more of a savory person. I don't like a, a maple breakfast. I like a more of a spicy breakfast. But uh, and then I well, like that's exact dairy. You're doing the exact right thing. Aha! Maybe already eating <laughs> the one way, um, if you will, because what we have is a and feel free to post. It's dinner for breakfast. D i n n e r the the number four breakfast. Dinner for breakfast is what we think you should be doing, and you sound like you're doing it. Yeah, because I and then I find I'm not so emotional and crabby at four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't have to go into the lunchroom and eat every chocolate chip cookie that somebody left behind for some reason. Always no. Do. Well, that's exactly right. Um, what happens is is when people go and eat the Wen Way, all of a sudden they stop being hungry at night, and so both Mike. Michael Coupe and I were skeptical, but the three things people tell us who changed in both patients and we've had a number of subjects and studies now is one, they feel more energy during the day, two, they sleep better, and three, they're not hungry at night. Those so, are their three biggest surprises, our surprise too. So tell me about cortisol though. Let's get back to that because that's the stress hormone and, and it really does a number on you. So cortisol not only impedes your immune function from fighting cancer and infections, so when you're stressed, um, you have worse colds, you have the flu becomes worse, et cetera. You don't have a good immune system, so you you don't want to get the flu shot during a period of stress, Um, and you want to learn there are 12 easy management techniques from meditation to guided imagery to progressive muscle relaxation, etc. But cortisol does that. Cortisol also increases your production of sugar. Now you say, why is sugar such a bugaboo? Well, what sugar does is it combines with your proteins to make those proteins less functional. So, for example, everyone knows hemoglobin A1C is one of the things we measure in type 2 diabetes to look at their sugar control. Lower levels of that abnormal hemoglobin mean better control of your blood sugar. And why is that? Because all hemoglobin A1C is, is a sugar stuck onto your normal hemoglobin. And when that sugar, related to the high sugar levels you have in your blood, the higher the level, the more abnormal hemoglobin you have, the more glucose gets stuck in that hemoglobin, making hemoglobin A1C, the less oxygen you release to the tissues, that's related to development of heart disease, it's related to development of ulcers and the amputations and kidney disease, as well as mental dysfunction that diabetics develop earlier than they should. And there's a, there's a way to eat to control your cortisol or a way to, to think about eating make some interventions in your book, you talk about, you know, like your cortisol isn't just a rainstorm that comes in. You have some effect affect it. Right. And so we always, you know, people say, well, I'm going to go to comfort food or I'm going to go to crunchy food. My favorite food for this, um, and I think it's in the book, I don't have the book in front of me, but I think this is in the book, is um, the roasted chickpeas. So all you do is you take a couple of cans of uh, chickpeas 
and you empty them out, wash them well with water, dry them on a paper towel, put them in a little bowl with a little olive oil and your favorite spices. Mine are curcumin, curcumin, um, uh, rosemary, and garlic. And you can vary the proportions if you want, depending on how you feel. But then you put them in an oven on a baking sheet for um, probably about 20, 20 minutes at 400 degrees, rotate it once during it, and they come out as these crunchy, delicious things that you can put in a jar, carry with you anywhere. So if you get stressed, someone cuts you off in line. Don't go to the fast food restaurant, reach into your purse or your have a, a jar in the car and pull it out and just have some crunchy, um, uh, if you will, chickpeas. The other thing I like is, is walnuts because um, they take on a buttery or uh, flavor when you roast them. So I put them in a toaster oven at 275 degrees, 9 to 12 minutes, and they come out as these delicious, much sweeter uh, nuts. And um, you still get the, all the benefits of, of walnuts are the only nut with appreciable omega-3. You come out with all the benefits of the um, nut of the healthy fat, and it's a great-tasting thing. So the key for eating the win way is to eat only food that loves you back. Oh, that I is, love that. That's such a good phrase. That's just that's so good. So in other words, you wouldn't be in a relationship. You wouldn't be married if the guy, if if your husband didn't love you back, or your wife didn't love you back, or whoever your spouse didn't love <laughs> you're gonna you back. You're going to launch a bunch of divorce proceedings today with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you you want it to be mutual. Well, it should be the same thing. If you eat French fries, you may love the French fry, but it kills you. That isn't the kind of relationship you want to be in. On the other hand, if you eat walnuts or chickpeas or avocado. Those are foods that love your body back and that make you younger. Oh, excellent. All right. Well, Dr. Michael Royzen, I can't thank you enough for giving us your morning and for doing all this work. It's uh, uh, it's so good for you to help us all by connecting the dots. You know, so many of these little factoids have been floating out there, and it's uh, I just really appreciate the work you did. Thank you. And and as you, I, I want to just point out one other thing. There's a whole bunch of scenarios in the book that, as you said, such as when you're stressed or when you're on your first date or when you want to increase libido or when you want to, uh, or when you have a big decision to make, um, what the data is, we're data driven. So the data are there on, there are specific things to eat for those occasions. Well, that will be good. I really look forward to curing road rage by, rage by everyone carrying some chickpeas around. This is going to be what we need. What we need today. <laughs> All Great. right, so, thank you, thank you. That was Dr. Michael Royzen. His book is "What to Eat When." It's very interesting. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about bean salads. I'm going to bring you all along with me and my obsession with bean salads. Um, am I crazy? Perhaps. Perhaps I'm crazy for bean salads. <laughs> we'll get to them when we come back. All right, Dara here. The vaunted bean salads. Did you want bean salads? I don't know. I think I'm just really into them. Here are a few reasons why. Carbohydrates have gotten a lot of bad press lately, but our brains really like them. I feel like I uh, function better with some carbs in the system. And so I started uh, earlier this year, I think it was because of that book, The Chemistry of Joy. I've talked about that before. That's an actual Minnesota 
writer, a psychotherapist who's done a lot of work on what to eat to feel better and um, just love those books very much. But uh, he talks about kind of mixing up your mixing up your mornings, like not to have the same thing every single day because you might get micronutrients from Oh, different things. And so I started making different bean salads to do a, a chickpea and feta salad with red peppers or um, I have a, a white bean salad um, and just have a little bit of that in the morning because I'm not a big morning eater. And I just I just I make better choices at lunch and I definitely make better choices at four or five o'clock when it's the chocolate bar hour. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing. How can I keep this up for a while? I don't know. But I am now evangelizing them to you. I was talking about it last week. Somebody wrote in and wanted to know about why eating healthy is so expensive. Well, eating healthy does not have to be so expensive. I mean, a bag of beans is about as efficient as you can get. What do they cost? Two bucks, two seventy-five for a pound of beans. You'd be eating that all week um, as long as you learn how to cook them. So I we're just, I think... Are we going to talk about beans a lot in 2019? We might have to. I'm very up about them. They're, it's a, a good way to eat healthy. It's a good way to lose weight because they're full of fiber. They make you feel really full for a long time. And they're a good way to heal your budget. And then plus they're just tasty. I was evangelizing beans in my private life the other day. I was talking to a friend of mine, and she told me that she got the uh, bean dried bean subscription from Rancho Gordo. It's a specialty bean producer and that she and then she told me that she has sent other people as gifts uh rancho gordo you know bean of the month club so uh yes this is <laughs> this is what goes on my if you were with me having a little private chat we'd be apparently talking about beans so how do you like them apples it's uh i'm tired of being champagne barbie i'm now going to be bean barbie i guess that's how it's going all right so let's talk about your bean salad basics um, I have a link. It's up at WCCO Radio on the big webpage with all the recipes right now. So you can always find that at WCC, WCCORadio.com slash menu. My bean salad basics. I have a nice link to a fine cooking article. And it's, you know, you really want to just start with dried beans. They're cheaper than the cans. And, you know, you're planning. You can make it work. If you've got really hard water, just tons of calcium and magnesium in there, you may want to go with a distilled water. Uh, the, the the minerals in the water can make the bean skin very thick and and make, feel like they'll never get soft. But the basic idea is once you get you start with your dried beans, you soak them, you cook them, and then you just hit them with an intense vinaigrette. So this is the most intense vinaigrette you'll use. But that's because you've got, you know, by the time they've all plumped up, what, three pounds of starch? So you need an intense vinaigrette. All right, so that's the basic idea behind all these bean salads. Dry beans, cook them, intense vinaigrette, and stuff. And now, here are the recipes that I have. So I have a nice uh, pink beans with roast red peppers. So uh, roast red pepper is just really good with beans. They have that nice kind of acidic edge and the complexity. Uh, pink beans are like a, all the beans are kind of cousins, but they're in the pinto bean, black eyed pea universe. So they're just, they're pink. They're little pink beans. Bunch of lemon juice, some roasted red peppers, garlic. You're good to go. That is a pink bean with roast red pepper recipe. 
Now, this is the easiest of all the bean salads. I do this. You're just doing nothing, but it's just white beans. Give you great northern beans, any kind of white little white bean you could find. So beans, lemon juice, a lot of red onions, a couple more things, salt, pepper. Really easy to do. Very filling. Inexpensive, healthy. I'm all about this salad. I've got a recipe for a chickpea, cherry tomato, and feta salad. So this is nice. If you have a pound of chickpeas, a couple of pints of cherry tomatoes, a pound of feta, you have something you could bring to a potluck. You could feed 20 people. You could feed yourself a bunch of times. It is, it is just very good. Now, if you want even a little more, little more protein than your basic bean protein, a canned tuna and white bean salad. So I really do like the tuna with oil. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like the oil. But once you're putting it in a bean salad, it really, trust me, it works out well. So you can make this tuna and white bean salad with red onions. You can you can actually make it into a sandwich. Like you could take it and you could shove it into two slices of bread and now you've got a different tuna salad sandwich. Oh, that's crazy, but true. And then I had to pick my number one. What is my favorite bean salad? Have you ever had Texas caviar? Oh, I'd say that is America's greatest bean salad. So it's just a bunch of – you have to spend a, a fair amount of time getting your red peppers, your red bell peppers minced into a small bits. And then you're combining it with black-eyed peas. And then there are no fish eggs. It's just a joke. The reason they call it Texas caviar is because it's ironic or something. But um, maybe because it's cheap. It's like the opposite of caviar, which is expensive. Anyway, I think most people, truth be told, would rather have Texas caviar than the real stuff. I do not find people loving it. All right. Those are the bean salads. There may be more bean salads to come. I don't know. Um, You you can find them all up at WZZORadio.com. And now I'm going to answer some of your questions and some of your texts. If you've got something, I've got a text line right up in front of me. Text us, 81807. I've got a question. Uh, Oh, I was with my friend in Robbinsdale last month. Went to a restaurant right next to a restaurant called Nona Rosa. Is it any good? It is okay. (laughs) That restaurant is fine. Um, You know, a good, a basic Italian restaurant is a good thing. Um, I don't think people would drive there, but neighborhood Italian, gotta love it. But it is fine. That is my effective critical verdict. Uh, I've got someone who is uh, turning Everett's meatloaf into meatballs for spaghetti today. That is fun. I do love a good butcher shop meat mix. I took the uh, the Swedish meatball mix. I think I told you it was just catastrophe. I was just trying to do too much on one night before Christmas, decorating the tree, making meatballs and everything. Next thing I know, I just had a, a delicious Swedish meatball gravy. So that worked out well. And I may have to go back to Ingebretsen's and get more Swedish meatball mix, even though it's post-holiday because I didn't do it right and it kind of bothers me. So all the butcher shops that have their own meatloaf mix, that's a good thing. So someone's turning Everett's meatloaf into meatballs for spaghetti And I'm slightly jealous and also impressed. And I love living in a world with good neighborhood butcher shops that do their own meatball mix or their meatloaf mix. It's so good. 
All right. I've got someone who's sewing on the binding, the last step of a baby quilt for a grandbaby boy due March 3rd. Well, congratulations. There is nothing there is nothing better than a new baby in the world. It gives you hope. So much life. I wonder if uh, there will be a little baking in your future, too. So good for you. You actually know how to make a baby quilt. I do not. I am, I am impressed. I've got uh, someone who's cooking a leg of goat. Now, that's impressive. That's an that's a all-day project. I would love that. And then you can have some nice Spanish wine. I have uh, got a question about what's going on with me and Liquor Boy. So at St. Louis Park, I am doing um, – I'm uh, helping the people at Liquor Boy pick out some great wines. And, and one of them is this just very nice, like $8 Spanish Rioja. Um, I would like to bring that over with you uh, and have some goat leg in the oven. That is just a great thing. Yeah, so if you go to Liquor Boy, you'll see like they have little Dara's picks on them. And I'm kind of working that out. Something you'll hear about from me, but if you uh, if you want to know a really good eight dollars Spanish Rio, I've got, I've got I figured, found a couple. All right, um, I've got uh, somebody who is everybody's out at my house, and I'm going to cook all afternoon. A lot of Greek le- recipes: chicken lemon pasta, cucumber sauce, that's that tiki, roasted cauliflower with green olives and almonds, salmon with cilantro sauce. Craving fresh herbs. Oh, another house I have to visit today. That sounds delightful. What a like homemade tzatziki, that cucumber sauce. Oh, that is just a, a joy and a blessing in the world. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll have plenty more time for Ask Me Anything. You got questions about the world? Text me, 81807. You just want to brag about your awesome cooking? I'm here for it. I love hearing about this. This is a highlight of my week. Everybody out there cooking, cooking, cooking. It is a perfect day for it. So let me know what you're up to. 81807. Uh, Dara here. I am back. All right. This is a, we haven't had a nice, luxurious ask me anything in a while. Okay. Again, what did you do with your oxtails? That is a throwback to December when I stopped at the farmer's market on the way into the show and I bought all these oxtails. I didn't know what I was going to do. And have I really not even told you? Well, here's what I did. I took a bonkers ton of onions and I just caramelized them. I caramelized caramel forever and ever and ever until they were just really dark. Then I put in the oxtails. Then I put in, you know, the other things, garlic, salt, uh, oh, the things you need in life. Put a bunch of liquid in there. I ended up with sort of a a French onion soup-ish thing. That was just so good. I will do that again, and I will do it again because oxtails are delicious. All that collagen. I twisted my ankle the other day on the ice, and I need all the collagen I can get to kind of put things back together again. So that's what I did with my oxtails. I ate them all, and then I should do that again because, gosh darn it, my ankle hurts. All right, so I got a question. The link for the bean recipes. They are at WCCORadio.com slash menu. Anytime you want these recipes, we have a just a great website going at WCCORadio.com. If you do click around in there, you could probably find my rant on the Impossible Burger. If you heard me on Chad's show the other day, I'm very worked up. I think all of these vegans are not right. 
And I think they're making big mistakes and they're lying to us about whether their uh, whether their burgers taste like beef. They don't. So if you want to see me just uh, set fire to my Internet presence, go on over to WCCORadio.com backslash menu. I have someone who's uh, driving down the highway. Keep on trucking and I'm doing a great job. Well, thank you. You be safe and I am. Uh, I hope I'm not making you too hungry as you're driving along there because I've got someone else on the text line who is making pork roast stuff with prunes and making it with Chateau Eugenie Cahors wine. Well, you, you're doing, you're living right, life right. You got a grim Saturday, but you have a pork roast stuff with prunes. That is a classic and a joy. Ugh. I got a question. Rancho Gordo beans. Am I a fan? They're definitely unique. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of all the heritage beans. Here's another reason. Besides the health effects of beans, you know, high fiber, you know, slow release carbs, they're really good for you. Another thing I like about them is I heard from a farmer on Twitter today who was talking about uh, rotating them through the crops. Like that's a, you know, so many people are just doing corn and soy and soy and corn. But you can uh, give your land a break, kind of shift things around. If we had more of a market for our amazing heritage beans, these are the beans that George Washington ate. You know, like these are beans that are that have been nourishing people, feeding people, uh, doing good things in our culture for hundreds of years. Like, let's not lose them. So, yes, Rancho Gordo is a company that's doing uh, probably more for heritage beans than anyone. I would like a market for beans. Why not? Oh, and I've got someone said that I have a sweet voice. Thank you. I made my day. I will tell you, when I started in radio, which was in this very station, Five years ago, I used to get a bunch of angry calls, and they say, "Oh, you'd sound terrible," and I would just shake in my boots. And now, um, I don't know; those people have moved on, so that makes me happy. It's it's hard to be a lady up here. There was this horrible story that came out where somebody wrote about how um, they did a survey, and everybody said they don't like listening to women. Oh, what are you gonna do? There's like half of us. We gotta talk sometime. I'm happy. Thank you for thank you for sending me that. It made me feel good. All right, I got a I got an um, existential question. What tastes the worst? Well, I imagine that's kind of kind of probably personal to every person. Um, I think I personally like I've tried some of the things that kind of become television stars for tasting bad, like natto, the Japanese fermented soybean. Uh, situation. Some people really like that. I wouldn't say that that tastes the worst. Um, you know, things that are uh, rotten will really just kind of trigger your 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 system to be like, no, get it away from me. It's going to make me sick. Um, so do those things taste the worst or do weird chemicals that end up in your food? I uh, Something happened today and I think my coffee cup got soap on it and that's kind of what's in my mind. I that thing where you pick up a sip of coffee and all of a sudden you're just sputtering, like you're on a, a Keystone Cops episode. <laughs> so that was uh, that was part of my morning. I think the things that are the, taste the worst though are the things that kind of trigger that visceral, like I'm going to be poisoned. This is rotten. Those are the things that taste the worst. So that is a big picture question, and thank you for asking it. <laughs> what is taste the worst? I'm giving a lot of 
thought to it. But it's funny because we also like the things that are like a little bit fermented, like cheese or meats like pepperoni. So it's like give a little bit of that musky funk and then that's the best thing, but too much of it and that's the worst. Interesting. Hard to be a human out here in the world. All right, so what are we doing next week? We are talking about coffee. I have a big piece in the magazine right now about how the Twin Cities are responsible for so much of the way we currently buy and sell coffee, the coffee economy. I've got someone special who's coming in. We'll get the inside scoop on all that. Till then, may your dried beans soften, but your wits stay sharp. And I will see you here next week on Off the Menu. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.